Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigalski. And today, we have the founder, Mr. Ross Rich, founder over at Accord. Nick, why should people listen? If you think about getting a deal done, you usually have a lot of action items you have to do, your buyer has to do, there's a bunch of different stakeholders, you're sharing all sorts of answers to questions and links to case studies and other collateral, and it can be really hard to get alignment and organization between you and your buyer. And Ross is an expert when it comes to what we call mutual action plans. So if you want to become a map expert, no, not a cartographer, but a mutual action plan expert, you may enjoy this show. Step number one, listen to this episode. Step number two, connect with Ross on LinkedIn. Step number three, download the mutual action plan template in the show notes. And step number four, enjoy the show again. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you wanna follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. All right, Ross, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. Awesome. The first is build an exec summary on behalf of your buyer. Even if it's just a crisp reframing of their key challenges and lightweight ROI, they're going to have to do this anyway. If this is a real decision, a real deal, they're going to have to do this for their key decision makers and other folks building consensus. So do that for them early. What does that look like? 
even if it's two or three bullets, a better reframing, because you're going to be the expert in the thing that they're solving for, of the challenges that you heard on that first or second call. Boom, one, two, three, for example, of a chord. Hey, sounds like you're looking to increase deal velocity and win rates by X percent next quarter, especially in mid-market and upper mid-markets. And hey, this is what it would look like. Typical eval might be two to three weeks. You know, these are the teams in a bit of a scope. That's going to be a hundred times better than probably what your champion who's never evaluated or bought your thing before is going to help you get in with the right folks and drive that deal forward. So build an executive summary on behalf of your buyer. Beautiful. What's number two, Ross? Number two, honestly, might be my personal favorite, the no ask exec touch also early on in the deal. It's the easiest way to start that executive level multi-thread and build a great relationship between your sponsor and theirs even before you need it. So what that might look like, we have our daily stand-up on our sales team. A couple reps say, hey, I've had these great calls. Cool. Send me the note with some context so I can add it in. I can say, hey, Sarah, just chatted with Nick. Sounds like you guys have had a great couple conversations with whatever stakeholder below them on their team about improving win rates and deal velocity and providing a better customer experience. Happy to help share how other customers that I've worked with maybe name drop two or three that are similar to theirs. If not, all good. I'll keep you updated on things. Have a great one. When it comes to them, later on in the deal, you're going to jump on that Zoom and you're going to feel like friends and it's going to feel really great because you're going to be keeping them up to date with no expectations. And if they reply, you know you really have something hot in your hands. And if they don't, helpful signal to how real the deal might be. So that's the no ask exec touch early on in the deal. I love it. Round us out, Ross. What's number three? Well, you know, I got to bring in mutual plans, but maybe let's get really specific here. Your mutual plan should have something post sales in it that is important to the customer. So extending that, this is not a closed plan. This is a mutual action plan, mutual success plan that is about the challenges that they're solving in that executive summary, like we talked about. Most folks that I see are really obsessing over everything to get done to signature versus what the customer really cares about, which is implementing and solving those core business challenges. For example, what they might be missing that I highly recommend including, the teams on both sides that are gonna get looped in post-signature. Setting those expectations about what are the stakeholders on their side and your side that you might wanna get introduced even beforehand to feel really secure about this working out post-signature, how long it takes to get to success. A lot of people, I think, kind of skip around this. Oh, you know, it's a couple of weeks, whatever. No, this is exactly how long it takes most of our customers to get here and set expectations around their investment post-sales. Again, don't hide behind these things. They want to know. They know probably if they're a qualified buyer, what it's going to take. And you probably should know if they're willing to do that. Because if not, you sign them, they don't go live. No good for both sides. So that's the mutual plan extending past the close. Love it. So for everyone in the audience who hasn't heard us talk about mutual action plans or joint execution plans, aka MAPs or JEPs, essentially what a mutual action plan is, is it's a series of steps from beginning of sales cycle through close and all the way through close going into implementation that walk your customer through, here are the steps we need to take to have a successful customer journey together. And you own some of those steps and I own some of those steps. Cool. So just to level set with the audience, that's what a map or a JEP is. So Ross, oftentimes when people think map or JEP, they're just like, great, once we get into vendor review, I'm going to have a map or a JEP to go through legal and security. But oftentimes one of the most underrated places to use a map or a JEP is early in the sales cycle. And so I'm curious, what are the types of activities or events in a sales cycle that I should be putting in my map or JEP 
early on in a deal cycle to make sure that it goes well before we even get close to vendor review? The things that I would focus on would be key milestones that the customer cares about. It is not every meeting. This is where I see it fall short. It's every meeting. It's every decision. It's every piece of collateral. It's the overwhelmingness for the customer. I know we might be thinking about our sale constantly. We might be there for one, two, three, four years at a company selling the thing and it feels like the back of your hand. It does not feel like that for the customer. This is probably their first, maybe second or third time buying this type of thing or even buying something in general. Overwhelming them with a number of steps versus just the two to three per stage, maybe of three or four stages to a deal, two or three key things that you can focus on. This is what we're doing next. And this is what we've accomplished so far. That would be my recommendation of what to include. For example, leadership approval. It's not meeting with the different folks in leadership. It's not creating the executive summary. It's not creating the ROI. It is formally getting thumbs up from a key leader stakeholder. That's the thing that's included in your JEP or your map, not the hundred other things behind the scenes. That's the work that you're doing. Ross, when you're introducing a mutual action plan to the customer, I could potentially see a customer saying, whoa, I've never done or touched one of these before. We just sort of started talking and like having resistance to being like, wait, is is this a thing I got to do? What the heck is this? And then being afraid of it. So I'm curious when you're introducing the mutual action plan, how are you positioning and explaining what it is and why it's to the customer's benefit to engage in this process? Improperly. The framing is so key and it has to be about the customer, not about you closing the deal. So for example, this is what I've heard and picked up from our customers actually is the best way of doing it. I don't even think I was doing it this well before was, hey, our team, as we think about building partnerships, we use these to help customers understand what the process looks like to successfully evaluate, validate, and onboard to Accord. This is what we've already done so far. Hey, you can see the work that we've done. And this is an example of what would be included later. And this is what I'd recommend us doing next. But I know that every organization works differently, has unique people in different organizations and structured. I'd love to share with you what we normally do and get your feedback to make sure that I'm not setting you down the wrong course. And then from there, it is your joint plan. And that is the key thing that is missing. It's the asking them for the input. It's not, hey, this is a thing. This is what we do. Okay, this is next. And so Ross, at what point in the sales cycle are you typically surfacing this with your customer? Is that at the end of your first disco call? Is it once you've done a demo? Like I struggle sometimes when I should be pulling this thing together. Yeah, I would say if it's inbound after that second call. So first one is probably that 30, 45 minute. Who are you? Who are we? Is there even a thing worth talking about here? Maybe you're setting up for, okay, we're going to dive more into specifics about how we solve these problems you mentioned. We're going to you know, do more disco about what you're trying to solve for, maybe bring in one or two other key stakeholders. It's at the end, hey, from the first couple conversations, this is what I've heard. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. This is what we do. If you are interested in taking a next step, this is what the overall process looks like. So I'm not just telling you this is the next thing, then this is the next thing. You're getting that overview, the high level. And the feedback from the gong recordings and chorus recordings I've heard would reps do this really well is like literally stop the meeting, the customer saying, wow, it is so helpful to understand what the process looks like. Yes, I want to know your features and functionality. Yes, I want to know the pricing, but what's it going to take for me for the next few weeks as I plan out my life on top of, I have a job on top of potentially buying this thing. 
what is that going to take for me? Who needs to be involved is just super helpful and appreciative and doesn't feel like you're forcing them down this next step and selling them on the next step. It feels like they're opting in or not to the evaluation cycle. When you explain that, hey, there's a lot of complexity, here's the problem. And then you propose a solution. Here's how other folks have solved it before using a map. And then you explain the benefit of it. There's going to be a lot of complexity and information shared. You get the customer to say, yeah, let's please do that. Armand, I actually want to ask you too, because I know you've introduced these a lot at the end of the sales cycle. Are there ways that you're voicing this over or introducing it to the customer? Yeah. So Ross, to your point, my trigger point is quite early in the deal cycle. And one of the things that you talked about is before you bring in a map, you need to understand, okay, is there even a problem that I can solve? And do I even have the right person to share the map with, right? (laughs) So I can't just share it with whoever jumps on the call. I might have the wrong champion. So I have two trigger points for when I start a map. Number one is I have clearly identified who I think my champion is going to be. And then number two is I might not have the full problem fleshed out, right? I might not have all the technical validation done, but I have a lot of it done such that I know the champion cares about this thing. And for that reason, the map is less focused on finding problems and more so my voiceover is, hey, it sounds like there's a there here. And like, it sounds like there are a lot of people we're going to have to get in front of. We're going to have to do legal security. And look, you have a full-time job too. Can we get on the same side of the table here? And maybe I can try to make your life really easy by mapping out how other folks would typically buy something like Accord, Pave 30, MPC, what have you. And they're always going to say, absolutely, that would be super helpful because they want to be taught how other leaders just like them are buying. And so from there, Ross, I'm curious from your standpoint, you're including things like leadership sign-off. You're probably including things like finance sign-off too. And my guess is you're not just templatizing every single map. I've seen some sellers do some really creative things where they will precede the map or the JEP with the specific names of the people who they see on LinkedIn that they think they need to sign off on. Are there certain things you're doing to customize your map or JEP to the customer? I'm curious how that looks. Totally. And the way I think about anything that involves this level of customization is starting with the template because when you want to customize, have the fill in the blank. So I always start with a template that has three key components to it. First, the milestones. And then I'm going to edit the names of the milestones. For example, we'll pick three different milestones. So for example, maybe it's the business validation. So that core ROI and difference between what they're doing today or looking at. Maybe it's the technical validation. Hey, how long is this going to take? What's the investment to do? Maybe it's a build versus buy decision. And then third, maybe it's that executive level approval. I would then think about, so that's one piece, the milestones. I'd think about the stakeholders, like you said. Okay, then based on that, who needs to be looped in and customizing that step, as well as third, the why behind it and tying those all together and being like, okay, Nick to get Armand's approval on this thing for initiative around improving win rates. Like when you see those, but it ties in a lot of pieces to that discovery that you're doing. So that's how I think about it. Starting with, I have my technical validation, business validation, leadership approval. Then I'm taking all the components of the why and the stakeholders and tying it into that step. So it feels super custom to them. It's really intelligent what you're doing here, actually. You're building out milestones. Like, okay, we got to build a business case. There's people that need to be involved in that. 
okay, we've got to get technical approval. There's people that need to be involved in that. So all you're doing is you're attaching the milestone to the human beings that need to give the thumbs up to that piece of it. What is your approach to ensuring that this is indeed a mutual plan where you're like soliciting, because you just listed those three milestones. How do you get the person to say, wait, 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 there's a fourth. I think it has to start again. That's why it's so important to begin the relationship with these kind of things, because it's really hard to get that later. Hey, the framing of how you're working together. And this is a visualization. This is like a concrete thing if they're not adding it from the start, good luck at trying to get them to add it later when you're working on a million other things, right? So that's how I think about it is getting them to commit to and adding one thing at the start, they're going to add it later. It's really hard to go backwards, right? And that's why I think about front-loading the stuff is so important. Getting that executive summary out from the beginning, getting the stakeholder mapping and expectations about who needs to be involved on both sides, getting the mutual plan and the key milestones, it's really hard to get them to contribute later if it doesn't truly start mutually. So going back to Nick's earlier point around making this not overwhelming is if we're building a map all the way through implementation and you're doing this map early in the sales cycle, I imagine like it's a little bit terrifying if you're like, oh, by the way, go out is all the way over there and there are a million more steps that we have to go. And so I almost imagine, um, you know, those like dog kibble feeders that like once you eat the kibble, it feeds you a little bit more kibble. Are you doing like the next three steps in the map, but not the next 20? And then like adding as they sort of check things off or do you just shotgun it all at them all at once? So this has been probably my biggest learning from really focusing on maps the last three years at Accord has been the staging of it, has been how is it helpful enough at that point in time? How is it enough detail there? And when you really dig into it, you're getting to that next level to actually do that proper day-long technical validation, answer all those questions, get the right people. Yes, it's about at the start, how can you just simplify it? You're talking about the stages, not even the steps. I'm talking about first we do this evaluation on both sides, then we're doing this valuation for the business and technical, then we're getting leadership approval, then, and you're just talking about the not even the steps. Then you're getting into really narrowing in on this when you're in a stage, just on that one thing. So you're not talking about if you're doing the business validation, you might not be talking about the depths of the security reviews and legal and compliance and the implementation. You're talking about that as a stage and when it's going to come next and maybe one piece of that that you need to start setting up for. And then, yes, adding in more details as you go. So that's how I've thought about it is what's the story at the beginning? Then what's the thing we're really focused on now? And then adding to that as you go and dig into those steps and stages. But it's a tough thing, I think, for people to really nail that framing as a rep and take some, take some practice. So th this is one thing that is critical for everything to note is when I first started using maps, I would have this template with 25 steps, five sections, five steps per section. And I would just copy it and I'd be like, awesome, let's get started. And because it was this insurmountable amount of food to digest for the customer, they wouldn't end up using it, right? But they need to know where the thing is going. And so what I learned is have the steps mapped out for the current stage you're in. You might be an exec buy-off stage and the three micro steps might be sign off from chief people officer, sign off from CFO business case, for example, right? But then have the big stages or categories listed below so they at least know what the next big rocks are. So it might say things like 
legal insecurity. It might say financial review. It might say procurement, what have you, but it doesn't have 10 steps under each of those categories. So you can still anchor to a go live date. You can still say, Hey, we know we're going to have to do that stuff later, but they're not getting overwhelmed by those steps earlier in the process. Do I have that right? Yeah. And the one thing that also was a key learning recently was going back to, and I never used to do this, going back to the things that you completed. The same reason why you're focusing in on those three, we've done these things. It helps add momentum and that social proof and validation of like, we're doing this stuff. Like this is happening and it's going well. So when you get later, oh, you have all this momentum. If you're not referring back to the things that you've done with them and you don't have that visual social proof, when you're getting looped into a new stakeholder, you can be like, hey, Jessica, I've been working with Nick and Armand the last three months. Okay, cool. Is he just saying? No, here are the things that we have done that speak to your internal challenges and all the right people and meetings that we've had. Oh, wow. We're like in this, we're invested as a potential partner here. Jessica on that call is going to be so much more invested and present if they know that that's how much time and energy their peers and company have put into it so far. Ross, I want us to take a sort of step away from maps for this next question. And it involves sort of multi-threading and getting other stakeholders involved in the deal. And an area that I've struggled before is like, I've got a champion, I've got some people like on the exec side involved and we're doing technical approval. And I might meet with like a CIO or a CTO or a head of IT and we're doing some technical approval and we show up to the call and they have zero idea what we do. And it's a wholly unproductive meeting because like my champion hasn't prepped them. They haven't done any prep and we don't get anywhere in that meeting. And so aside from me, just like sending them the link to like, here's the map with all the steps we've completed. How can I make sure that like when I bring a new stakeholder into the meeting and it doesn't have to be the IT example, that that person is up to speed and prepared for the meeting? Yeah, there's two things that make our reps and that I do anytime I set up a new meeting with key stakeholders. That's a win. Okay, new group of people. This is a new opportunity to set a first impression and build another champion in another side of the business. It's meeting set, calendar invite goes out. This is what we're looking to accomplish. This is the context. Hey, met with Nick. He suggested meeting with you to do this thing. This is why, this is the why we're doing, and this is where it fits into the process. The day before or two days before the meeting, Hey, I'm sure you had a lot going on. I know this is probably not the, the number one thing you've been thinking about this week on the Thursday morning. Just wanted to send a friendly reminder this. Hey, if you were curious to check out our site or this thing, click here for 30 seconds. You go into that meeting. Most of the time, you're going to get the day before, the two days before the thank you. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, a lot going on. Really looking forward to digging into this. If you're not creating those opportunities to get that context, yeah, nine times out of 10, you're going to go in the meeting. They might say, yeah, I know what's going on. And they're on Slack doing whatever. You're sort of making me rethink, like, I've got to do some of that heavy lifting. And I would rather, like, lean into being a little bit of a pest with, like, pre-meeting emails than the inverse of that where I'm not aggressive enough and they don't show up prepared. This is so important because what you're doing is you are front-loading the effort, which is a theme that is emerging here. What a lot of salespeople do is they don't do any like thing in advance of the meeting. They go have a meeting, and it might be an okay meeting, and then they put all of their effort into the recap email and following up with the buyer and like working the multi-thread, which don't get me wrong, that stuff's important, but if you actually can reallocate some of that effort to what you do pre-meeting, you end up having things go so much better. So oftentimes what will happen is, let's say you do all that pre-meetings work, you think your champion has prepped your 
economic buyer. You've sent an email, maybe you've sent a video too, and still they don't view it. The beautiful part about this is folks, what I find the best sellers do is they understand that what you are selling is an hour meeting in a 40 hour work week. It is a one hour meeting in a 40 hour work week, which means you take up approximately 2% of their brain space during any given week. Okay. My math isn't great, but it's close. Okay. And so using your map, if you've done a good job, number one, every single time you meet with your champion before that big meeting, after that meeting, you're walking through what I call last three, next three, which is here are the last three things that we've done. Here are the next three things we need to do. And then when you jump onto that big team demo, when you're meeting with power, you need to assume that even though you've done that work, they are not going to remember where the heck this thing is. They're going to jump onto this meeting for the first time and be like, what the heck have you been doing meeting with these people 17 times? This thing seems like the train has already left the station. And so my favorite way to start those big team meetings is sort of cheesy, but I usually say in the last episode of Dragon Ball Z, and recap the last three or four major things that happened in the map, and then talk about what we're doing today and how that ties to the next two things that come up in the map. And so it's truly like your litmus test and it's your compass for where you stand in the deal cycle. And so bringing this full circle, Ross, as we go through this thing together, I'm curious, how are you holding your champion accountable to each of these tasks? Are you doing a recurring meeting? Are you emailing this to them every week? Like, how are you actually project managing this entire thing versus just leaving the doc there to have it sit in an inbox somewhere? Totally. Yeah. If it's a upper mid market enterprise deal, hundred K plus deal, definitely that recurring meeting with the champion, it's worth it for them. It's a big decision. If it's not, if it's more of that high velocity, maybe that 10, 20, 30K deal, that's sometimes a lot. And it's usually, you want this to be sold sub 30 days, sub three weeks probably. So probably not at that level. I think where I try to get to is a texting basis or that like post call basis, hit them up casual, like no subject line. Hey, can we jump on? Here's my number. That kind of more lightweight. So that's how I think about those touch points. Okay, yeah, you have that big meeting. Hey, the day or two before, hey, to make sure that, I do a good job of using everyone's time. It's their social capital that they use to get that call in the books. I'll kind of refer back to that. Hey, to make sure we use Nick and Armand's whatever best time appropriately on 45 minutes tomorrow around this. Can we sync for 10? I want to get your feedback on the thing I've already done. Talking about doing the work. I've done this thing. I'm prepping for it. I'm thinking about it a ton. Can I use 10 minutes of your time to get feedback on it, to put in the words that they use internally? So when we start that meeting, Armand, that was a great suggestion. Hey, not just talk about the steps, again, looping in that why to it, that exact summary. Hey, we've talked about these things because you're working on this. And this is what we're going to talk about today that has to do with the thing you're working on. And this is what we're doing next to solve for that. That is really important. It can only come from those either casual touch points on a high velocity deal or those structured meetings for the more enterprise focused cycles. So to recap, sort of what you're doing here, Ross. One, when you're sending that note to the buyer before that big meeting, you're saying, hey, I'm doing some prep just to make sure that I use Nick and Armand's time like as effectively as possible. You're doing a couple things here. One, you are signaling that you are doing work on their behalf. And I've been talking about this a lot recently. People reciprocate effort. They respond in kind. And when you show that you're putting the work in, 
they feel compelled to reciprocate as they should. It's the right thing to do. The other thing you're doing is you are giving a reason attached to your ask. What you're not doing is saying, hey, I'm doing some prep for this meeting. I'd love to hop on a call with you to talk about what I should cover. What you're actually doing is saying, hey, to make sure we use that time as effectively as possible. Anytime you ask your buyer to do something, to take action, this applies to everything in sales. You must explain why it is in their best interest to do that. So you are saying to make sure that we use your boss's boss's time as effectively as possible, let's sync for 10 minutes. It's really nuanced what you're doing, but for the audience, like highlight and lean into that. Ross, we are running out of time and I'm running out of breath. And so we got to move ourselves to the final question. And the final question is this. We have talked about a lot of really great things salespeople should be doing. Now I'm going to ask you about the inverse, which is a shouldn't. And so the final question is, what is one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to break because it's hurting them more than it helps? Yeah. I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise from the topics that we've covered, but I think what I see is people waiting until mid or late stage deals to really invest the time, the effort, and the relationship with their champions. They're not multi-threaded until they feel like it's a real secure, like for sure committed deal. They don't have that business case. They don't have anything quantified in terms of the ROI. They might not have a mutual action plan set up until they're like, oh, this is real. This is like a great company qualified. Good luck then restarting, rebuilding any of those expectations, relationship, what you put in is what they're going to put in the rest of the cycle. You have set the expectation for how much work is going to be done on both sides. After that second call, after that third call, they've looped in stakeholders. If you haven't been sending those prep notes, absolutely nailing those group demos, all of those things that are going to happen super early in the deal, they're not going to reciprocate and your chances of winning those deals are going to be a lot lower. So I would say, Stop with the the 100 follow-ups after all the stuff. Put your effort in the warmest early stage deals. Give it your all. The things that feel like they're moving fast, hold on to them. The things that might just not be there, spend the effort you know, accordingly. Beautiful. Ross, thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. Today's show is sponsored by Calendly. If you're interested in accelerating your sales cycle, improving your prospects' experience, and booking more demos, there's one scheduling automation platform on the market that does all three. Calendly offers team-based scheduling, solutions and integrations for every department, and lead routing to instantly book qualified meetings from your website and match known leads to reps based on real-time Salesforce assignment. I find it really helpful when I have to book meetings with multiple people on my side so that I don't have to coordinate everyone's calendars. Get started today by checking out the show notes or Calendly.com. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. 
Your top four takeaways from this episode with Ross Rich include number one, make sure you share the map with the right person. In other words, you should probably have your champion identified before you engage in a mutual action plan so you have the right person shopping you around the org. Number two, when you actually build that map, make sure you build out the key milestones in your deal and not just the milestones, but also the people who need to be involved in those milestones. Number three, however, do not show every single step in your mutual action plan all at once. It will be too overwhelming and no one will use your mutual action plan. Instead, have the big stages and buckets and only flesh out all of the steps for the stage that you are in and maybe the next stage that you're about to enter. And then lastly, number four, extend the map, not just past the closed, which is really what you want, but all the way through their go live date, which is what they want. Alrighty, Nick. How could people help us out here? Well, folks, you might be sitting here saying, man, these maps sound awesome, but they're a lot of work to put together. I wish I had a template put together by some smart guys that I could just steal and use for my own purposes. Well, you're in luck because Armand and I sat down with the very kind folks at Accord and we put together our mutual action plan template. And there is a link to that in the show notes for you to steal for free. So go take it, use it with your buyers, and we'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes.